This is 261 Fearless Voices, proudly presented by Bose, the podcast dedicated to fearless women around the world. And welcome to the first episode of 261 Fearless Voices. Uh, I'm your host, Juliette McGratton, and I'm delighted to introduce our first guest on the podcast, Catherine Switzer, a running legend, pioneer, advocate for women in sport, and founder of the global network 261 Fearless. By being fearless in the face of adversity, Catherine turned a frightening moment into a positive force for good. And she's been inspiring and empowering women through running ever since that moment. And we are very happy to talk to her. So hello, Catherine. Hello, Julia. So wonderful to be here. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Catherine, just for people that are listening in um, who might not know you, can you describe what you look like? (laughs) Well, I'm five foot seven tall um, and um, I'm a medium weight and I have frizzy brown hair. I wear glasses most of the time, but I try to put on contact lenses and I'm 71 years old now. And, um, so some days I look <clears throat> good and some days I don't look so good. <laughs> I'm sure that's true for us. That's true for all of us. Uh, and Catherine, um, what, what does courage mean to you? Can you, can you define it for us? Yeah, it's, it's, um, not the easiest term to, con- to convey, but I would say, Courage to me is about moving ahead when you know there's a danger and taking a risk. And, and the danger may be embarrassment or it may be um, real danger, which is not a good idea to move ahead without a lot of equipment. But basically, it's about taking control of your own life and having the conviction um, to stand up for what you believe in. Mm, thank you. And, and what makes you a fearless woman, would you say? I think what makes me a fearless woman, and don't get me wrong, I have plenty of my own fears, <laughs> but I overcome those by realizing over many, many years that I've accomplished a lot of things that I never thought I could do before. And those things all began with putting one foot in front of the other when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. by starting to run a mile a day because I wanted to make the field hockey team in my high school. And it's really funny about the empowerment that that gave me. And I can kind of measure that empowerment every year since and the sense of transformation and magic that it gave me. And I regarded it as kind of my personal bank now that I have this enormous reservoir of experiences that I've had that that I never thought I could could have or that accomplishments I never thought I could gain simply by having the courage and conviction of, of previous success. So it's, it's really interesting. When I talk to people about how to move ahead and how to be empowered, I say you've got to take the first step first. Mm. You've got to put on your sneakers and go out the door, for instance. And when you take that first step, whether it's a walk out to your mailbox um, that's the only way you're going to get to the marathon distance. And I'm using this as a metaphor for life. The only way you get through life in the way you want to get through life is to make those decisions every day to try a little harder or do a little more or to take on another responsibility. 
sometimes life throws us things that are overwhelming. A death, um, a, a sick child, um, your house burns down, those kinds of things. And people either cope with those things or they don't cope with those things. And one of the ways to cope with them is to have fortunately had some kind of experience before that helped give you a sense of your own strength. But sometimes the devastation kind of experience is what makes you. So I often think, for instance, the experience in the Boston Marathon where an official ran out and attacked me because I was a girl in a race, um, which was at that point probably the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life. It was humiliating and scary and and very, very, very intimidating. Um, overcoming that was a life crisis that has served me well for the rest of my days. Mm-hmm. Many people I've met, um, let's say, have had a serious case of cancer and overcome it with chemotherapy. And they said, in hindsight, it was one of the worst. Sorry, in hindsight, it was one of the best things that had ever happened to them. They wouldn't want to wish that on anybody, but it was the making of their character. Now, I'm not saying we should ever wish bad things on ourselves, but sometimes people should embrace the bad things that happen to them and try to turn them upside down, look Mm -hmm. at them a different way and create either a positive opportunity out of that or realize that this maybe is a a blessing for them in terms of their maturation and in terms of their awareness. So, so, so courage that's is how I look at. Yeah, so yes, it's very much something you're saying that that comes from life experiences um, that develops and grows with you as as a person as as you age as well, and you it, life is more enriched with the experiences that you've had. Absolutely, Juliet. Mm. I don't think you can just say to somebody, "Be courageous," mm-hmm. and they go out and be courageous. Yeah, and and you know. Everybody is afraid, let's say, you you go to the start line of a marathon and everybody's very, very nervous. And the first timers are apoplectic Mm -hmm. because they don't know what's ahead for them. Mm. And that's just like life. You know, you look ahead and if you're fearful of it, you know, uh, it's not going to happen. You have to go out there and just do it and and deal with every step along the way that happens. Sorry, go on, Catherine. No, I was going to say any Olympic athlete will tell you that they may be totally, absolutely prepared for something. And something goes wrong and they have to deal with it. They can't panic and stop and throw it out the window. They've got to go on. Mm. And those who have often prevail and and come out the champions. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? And and you mentioned the Boston Marathon there. Is Is that when you overcame your fear? Is that the moment that you became fearless? I would say it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was lucky enough to overcome it because I don't forget I had, you know, a mile a day under my belt pretty much since I was 12 years old. And I had trained really hard for the Boston Marathon. So w- when I was in the race, uh, I'd already done 31 miles in practice. So I knew that I could cover the distance. That wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. But when the official attacked me, you know, I lost all of my dr- adrenaline, a lot of my heart. Um, um, I, it was cold conditions. I didn't know what to expect coming up. I was paranoid about being pulled from the race further on when there was no media watching, that kind of thing. Um, and, and I did it anyway. I finished anyway. I was very, very determined to finish at that point because I knew if I didn't do that, people wouldn't believe that woman, women could, it was going to set us way back. And the years afterwards, there, I can tell you about amazing times when, for instance, I'd walk into a board meeting or, or go to, let's say a board meeting, and I'd walk in, and it would be full of men in the room. 
um, who would look at me and say, oh, my God, you know, there's a woman here, you know, who brought her type of thing. And I would just smile and I would say into myself, you didn't run the Boston Marathon and get attacked in the race and finish anyway. In mm-hmm. fact, you haven't even run a marathon, you know, <laughs> and I just and it just gave me a sense of confidence. And what happens is also then in life, you convey that confidence to other people. And and, you know, I, I never really had a problem in in mixed kind of situations where people were my superiors or they were males and I was a female. I was almost always accepted. And I think the reason is because I didn't lord it over everybody, but I had an air of confidence that said, oh, well, she's different. She's okay. And in a, it was in a, a self-belief. Nice mm, in, yes. in a self-belief that, you, that you've, you've conquered that and you can do anything. Yes. That's wonderful. That, that's true. Uh, so running has had, and becoming active, has had a really important role in your fearless journey and, and helping you to become fearless, hasn't it? Juliet, I would say that running has done everything for me. I often say that running has given me everything in my life. And that sounds really very far-fetched. But if you look at it this way, if running has given me, let's say, my religion, <laughs> you know, because I, I feel close to God and nature, if it's giving me my successes in career, it's given me my travel, it's given me fr- my friends, almost all of my friends are, have come from the, the running scene. It's given me the great love of my life, my husband, Roger Robinson. I, it has most of all given me myself. It is my time every day then I can go out and get acquainted with Catherine again, where I can get rid of stress, I can become creative again, I can get ideas but I can just get in touch with me and, and, and talk to myself and listen to my own thoughts and get a perspective on life. So yeah, I would say that running has given me everything. And yes, in terms of my courage and my, my uh, forthrightness and in terms of my um, curiosity and my uh, ability to try and, and something new or to be adventuresome or incredibly optimistic. In fact, sometimes I think I'm pathologically optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All of that has really come from running. I mean, I think probably I was born a happy child. I was very lucky and I had wonderful parents who who really encouraged me in all respects. Um, And sometimes, you know, the nature of children sometimes happens, you know, well before they're even born. And I I think I was born a happy, optimistic child in general. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it, it was running that really shaped me into what I think I am today. Such a pow- such a powerful thing, um, and and just thinking uh, more generally about about women um, in in movies, in books, on television, women are very often portrayed as weak, uh, worthy of male protection, and quite fearful. Do, do you think women actually are more fearful than men? No, I don't. I think that. Um, Hollywood in particular doesn't know yet how to portray women. I think powerful women in acting really owe it to themselves and to the community to take roles that show women better. Um, and that in fact, if those are the only roles available that the powerful ones can help create these roles, you know, can hire good writers. Let's, Let's get this book out there. Let's get this script out there. Um, but there, and there are many women actors who are fabulous. You know, I'm thinking of Meryl Streep or 
um, or, uh, well, Meryl Streep, let's just take her for instance. She takes on roles all the time about um, uh, strong, directed women. And I, I just think that women themselves are not necessarily um, weak and beholden, and many who are have bought into that design model because it was either foisted onto them by their parents or society and they bought into it and they know nothing else. Okay. That that's the problem. I, you know, I, I talk about fearful women and most of the women in the world live in a fearful situation. They, they may be from Afghanistan or North Africa, or they might be the woman living next door to you. The point is, is we need to give them the opportunity to prove to themselves otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that is the hard thing. That's, that's why 261 Fearless, um, the nonprofit that was started after my uh, bib number, um, which means fearless in the face of adversity now is so very, very important. Women need the experience to take the first step to realizing that they are not fearful people, Mm -hmm. that they're not um, codependent. They're not um, in a situation where they can't escape, let's say. And for some women, of course, with society and with religious restrictions and cultural restrictions, it's really not easy at all. But everybody will tell you, if you are in a situation where you know nothing else how are you going to have the sense of belief if you don't have the experience, if you don't have the opportunity? So if we can, with 261 Fearless, direct touch a woman and, and, take, and take her by the hand, either literally or virtually, um, and, and show her how to put one foot in front of the other and achieve um, a, a sense of accomplishment in her own life and self-esteem in her own life, whatever means it is, her ability to do something – to take control of her own life, that's what's so important about 261 Fearless. That's what I hope we can do, and I think we will do and are doing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a steep climb. It really is when we're looking at parts of the world. But I want to say this, that running has done it before, and it will do it again. When we look at what running has done, let's say, um, in the UK and in the United States, Canada, France, Japan, and particularly these are countries where – there are more women runners than men. I don't know if it's true in the UK. It is in the United States. 58% of all the runners in this country are, are women now. And it's because it's so easy, simple, cheap, and accessible to, sure. to go out and run. But um, the, the point is this, is that as soon as we can get them moving, we, we know we can, we can reach them. You look at a place like Africa, for instance, you know, where these women were third-class citizens for so many years in Kenya, just unbelievable and still are for the most part but the women who have run from kenya and they run very very well and the good ones who who get out and get an invitation to run a big race and come back with their prize money they're using that prize money to inoculate the kids and build a school and and sanitize the water they're changing their whole village structure and when women change the society changes so those villages now change the women are esteemed they're not looked down on. They're they're revered, not just for their wealth, but for what they're doing. And and I'd love to think that some of those women are going to be getting into politics. And when that happens, really things begin to change in a big way. Uh, and it seems like it's such a slow climb out. But when we look at the last fifty years of how 
running has changed women. It has, it is a social revolution. It's not about running anymore. It's about their sense of empowerment and their sense of accomplishment. And for all of those women, let's say in the United States, there's 58% of all the runners, they're not running to be Olympic athletes. They're not even running to lose five pounds anymore. Remember the old thing, oh, I'm going to start running because I'm going to lose five pounds. They're not even doing that. They're running because it makes them feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And no matter how busy they are in their day with the, their husband and their house and their job and the two kids and the dog and the cat, all these things that we all have to deal with, that 20 minutes or an hour a day that they can give themselves to run is the thing that makes their day and gives them the sense of accomplishment. So that's why I'm, I'm so adamant and believing in this. And and I'm sorry, I'm a long way away from your question about women being inherently <laughs> weak and passive. But it's, no, no, it's, it's fantastic. True. As we're finding, it is absolutely not true. And running has done it before, and it will do it again. But but why do why do we why do we need why does society or the world in general uh, need more brave and, and fearless women? Because I think that's a tough question, Julia. Mm. Nobody has asked me that question before. <laughs> that we need more because I think women add a perspective in life that is extremely important and completely different from the male perspective. And this is not about male bashing at all, because I love men. Men have really helped me all my life in many, many ways. Not all men have helped me, but a lot of men have helped me. And in running, it's very important for women to know that running is really very, very unique this way. It's a, it's a gender-free, in, in many ways, activity. And when you're in a marathon, it's not about sex or violence and, and males and females. It's about us as runners. You know, yep. you know, I'm going to hug the guy next to me, wh- whatever his orientation is, and the woman next to me, whatever her orientation is. It's about us accomplishing things. But anyway, the, I think the female perspective is extremely important. And let's face it. I mean, if, if more than half of the population of the entire world is women, um, we need their voices. We need their needs. We need their different perspective on life. Uh, this is, again, not about males versus women or, uh, or females versus men. It's about us as a society going forward and using our best assets and creating opportunities for everybody to have a voice. That's, that's really why it's important. This is not a feminist statement as much as it's a humanist statement. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And what, um, what advice and tips can you give to women to uh, help them embrace their fears and become more confident as, as a very fearless woman yourself? <laughs> I honestly, I think one of the best things to do is do something that makes you feel good about yourself and empowers you. And maybe running isn't for everybody. Of course. But what yeah. can I tell you? It, it works. Mm-hmm. And so my advice to, to women is, you know, to take that first step. And so you know, that's the metaphor is to put on your sneakers and go out the door, you know, whether it's just for 10 minutes, because the next time you go, it's going to be 15 minutes, uh, or, or the next time is going to be a little bit faster, or it's going to, uh, it's going to, you know, be a little better, it's going to be better. I, I guess another tip I would have would be to um, have a buddy in, in this adventure. A buddy keeps you honest, keeps you out there. The buddy won't make you wait in the rain and, <laughs> or the dark. They're going to be there for you. And I guess another thing I would say is if you could join a community of women. And that's one reason I talk about 261 Fearless. You know, if you have a local community club that you have started or you can join, 
once a week, you put down all the crap in your life behind you and you go out and you meet your friends and you either walk or you run and you wind up sharing the secrets of your soul. And it never goes further than each other, but you learn from each other and you laugh, you play, you say, look, I'm going to have this little window and that window is going to give me a vision and it gives you a great vision. That's why I really hope and I pray and I think we're going to make 261 Fearless such a success for women everywhere in the world. Mm. I really, really believe that. Mm. And you mentioned, you know, women helping other women there. Um, do you think that's a really important aspect, uh, women helping other women to become fearless? Oh, absolutely. Because women for, for thousands of years have been portrayed as being divisive and non-supportive, competitive and malicious to each other. You know, that jealousy is like their number one motivation. Um, and for a long time, for instance, even in business, when I, when I first started working with women, people said, oh, my God, you know, this is going to be terrible. You know, women can't work together. They can't cooperate because they just, you know, backbite each other and are petty and catty yeah. and, <laughs> uh, and, and like, like teenage girls sometimes are. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, that, but they do that out of a sense of self-preservation or fear. Because, you know, I can be better than you are, so I'm going to be mean to you. When, in fact, the, if you give it all away, it comes back in bushelfuls. And when I started working with women, I, I remember I got my team into a room, and I was the boss, right? And I closed the door, and I said, I want to tell you something. Our egos are parked outside the door. We're coming here. We're going to lay it all on the line for each other. We're going to work together. We're going to be a team. We're here to support each other. Man, was that the best few years of all of our lives. I still get letters from those women saying that was the best working experience they ever had. And didn't we work? We worked harder than you can ever imagine because we wanted to be successful for each other. Mm. It was really, really phenomenal. And that's the way women can work together. The other is a myth. Sure, they're cruddy personalities, and males and females both. You know, but basically, if you give people an opportunity, it's amazing what they will come up with. Give them the chance to work with you. Give them the chance to um, share and support, and you'll be really surprised at how much they come across. Mm. Fantastic. Um, here's a question for you. Who, which woman do you admire for her courage? I admire a lot of women. I think Angela Merkel, I admire just about more than anybody else in the world at the present moment, is a woman who is beleaguered with work, controversy, political backbiting, and she has held Europe together and is a beacon to the world. Whatever your political inclinations, I'm sorry, you've got to admire this woman. In the world of media, uh, and acting, I mean, I mentioned Meryl Streep before. I admire her. She's had a lifelong career of playing strong women's roles. That's very, very important. Locally in Boston, my current hero is a woman named Mara Healy. Is a woman who uh, went to law school at Harvard. She played basketball for uh, the Harvard team, the Harvard University team, and then went on to play, play pro basketball in Italy. And now is the attorney general of the state of Massachusetts. And she's only in her middle forties wow. and is outspoken and 
absolutely courageous in a time of huge political contentiousness in the United States. And she's not afraid to shout down some of the biggest politicians in, in the world um, who are unfair. And, and she is a totally fair person. She's also the one of the first uh, female politicians to come out and be um, openly gay. And, um, and, and with no, it was interesting, with hardly any controversy. So that is a huge step in diversity, which I think we all need. You're a wonderful woman. Um, I, I would just mention those three as, as women who in three different fields have sure. made some things really happen. Yeah. And are you still afraid of anything? Do you have any phobias, fears? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, afraid of, I'm terribly afraid of spiders. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Julia? Let me tell you this. I'm afraid of snakes too, but not as afraid of them because, you know, I see, I have little garden snakes, you know, which are perfectly harmless. And, and that leads you up to, um, I'm not sure face down a cobra or something, but um, <laughs> let me tell you why we have those fears. Those are activistic fears. You know, Mother Nature gave us some fears mm-hmm. for a very, very good reason. And the fear of, those are, those are critters that can, can cause us harm. And, and so it's natural to be afraid of those things. And I don't think we should be sissies to be afraid of them. You know, um, I try very hard to learn how to contain my fear. So like, I don't want to kill that spider, but I, I want him out of my house. Sure. And so I think <laughs> my husband showed me how you do it. You know, you put a glass over them, put a piece of paper under mm-hmm. it, and then you go shake them out of the house. But my heart still palpitates really hard. Mm. Okay. That's, that's kind of a funny thing. All right. Um, but are there other fears? Yeah, sure. You know, um, I'm, I'm afraid of losing my husband. You know, he's like eight years older than I am. Um, I love him dearly and I don't spend nearly as much time as I want with him. And I don't know how I'm going to cope if he goes. And he says to me, he makes a joke and he says, I'm not going to be the first to go. You're going to be the first to go the way you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I, I have fears for things I can't control. You know, my niece is pregnant and I'm hoping that this is going to be a safe child and, and uh, a healthy child, but we don't know. But what you can do is, is work and pray for the courage to handle the situation when that happens. Mm-hmm. So sure, we have fears. And um, uh, again, I take all those out on the road too. And mm-hmm. I kind of said, like, come on, you know, you can, you can get by that. You can make it happen. It'll be fine. But sure. I'm a, I'm a normal person in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is much less scary after a good run. <laughs> yes. But Julia, let me say this. There's a lot of bad things in the world. I'm not living in Syria right now and getting the hell bombed out of me. Um, how would I react in that situation? Because I can't control that situation. So when, when there is life and death fear all around you, my heart goes out to those people. Mm. So uh, is running going to help them? They can't get out of their house to get food, much less go out and run. So all we can do is that hope sanity will somehow prevail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that maybe having um, a lifetime of courage from running would help me in a situation like that. But um, I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, I, would, mm. I would count on it. But the point is, um, I'm very blessed and you're very blessed and we all have fears, but um, they're not catastrophic. I'm not in a catastrophic situation. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Thank you, Catherine. Um, it's been really uh, fascinating, interesting um, to, to listen to you. And we really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. So thank you very, very much for your time and uh, hope to speak to you again soon. Good, Juliet. It was lovely talking to you too. And thank you for these very provocative questions. I'm sure I'm going to hang up from this podcast and then go away and think, oh, I really should have said this. I really should have said that. But thank you very much. I enjoyed it. And I really wish everybody out there the best for uh, achieving their own sense of self-esteem and their own fearlessness. Join thank us at you. 261 Fearless. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Julia. 261 Fearless Voices has been brought to you by Bose. If you want to learn more about 261 Fearless, the global women's running network, go to www.261fearless.org.